I was thinking some of those shots of the, the Arkansas River. Uh, as I, most of you know, I was born and raised in Colorado, which I want to clear that up. It's not Colorado. It's Colorado. Just like there's not an S at the end of Kroger and Walmart. Just trying to help you. But I was thinking about that source. At one point, a few years ago, a friend of mine called me up and he said, hey, do you want to go raft the Arkansas River in Colorado? And this was in, in the springtime. Okay, so this is when the runoff is happening, all the snow is being melted up in the mountains. And, and I was like, yeah, sounds, sounds great. And uh, he, had, he had actually been working on getting guide certification. So there's different classifications. And he was uh, a level three guide for river rafting. So I was like, I'm in good hands. He knows what he's doing. But he'd, he had bought this little 10-foot raft, like at a garage sale. And so we had this 10-foot raft, and it was just me and him. And so we, we, we put into the Arkansas River on this day. And at first, I was like, this is awesome. It's cool. I'm always up for an adventure. And his name is Garrett. And Garrett and I were always getting into stuff, always going on adventures. And, uh, but as soon as we started getting into this, it wasn't long that we got into it. I realized, man, this is, seems like it's running really big and fast and scary. And I was fine until at one point I looked back at Garrett and he had the look of terror on his face. I was like, oh, that's not good. He's trained for this. And, and, uh, and I'll tell you, it was, I, I think it was probably the closest I've ever come to, to dying, like in nature. It, it, was, it was scary because we, we'd hit these rapids and our, the, the raft was not self-bailing. A lot of the rafts, they have these vents that let the water out. This one did not. So what happened is we'd paddle through these rapids and then in the smooth areas, one of us would be bailing water while the other person was trying to steer the raft to try to keep us from dying. And so, uh, so we only went about two miles and we got, we got out and uh, we actually got out of the river just a little bit down from where they usually set up to do the professional photography for like the guided raft tours and all that. So the, those photographers that were, had actually, they were tearing down and, and getting ready to leave and they saw us coming down the river and they're like, we got to get this. And so they, they, they were taking pictures as, as we were coming out. So as soon as we got out, we got close to them. They're like, are you guys stupid? And we're like, yes, <laughs> yes, we are. Clearly, it's, there's no doubt. And they're like, did you know they closed the river? We're like, no, but that makes sense. They should. This is not safe. People shouldn't do this. <laughs> and, and they told us that there were three or four guided rafts that had tipped over that day and a bunch of people got sent to the hospital that day on the river. And, I, and, and so I've experienced firsthand like how powerful it can be when you're, when you're in a river like that. And then I was thinking about the impact of the flood and just how broad the, the impact of that flood was. And then I started thinking about this analogy of, of how we're like waters. And, and I wonder, are we that powerful as a church? Like, do we, do we get to a place where, like, because of what God is doing in us and our personal relationships and our devotion to him, that we are overflowing to the point that the spiritual waters that flow out of us and into our city, into our community, and into our state, the levees cannot hold it back. Like it's making that kind of an impact. 
I think it's important to define, like, what is the church? And I, I believe we're living in a culture where it's trying to define church. And honestly, I hear a lot of definitions of the church that are just not biblical. And I see the church acting in a way that is just not biblical. And so as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, I think if you want to know what the church should look like, you just go to where it started. Because it's really clear. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, this is, this is what the early church, the first church, this is, a, this is just a few days after the Spirit of God had been poured out. The gospel is being spread. This is what it says the church looked like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, which meant they were coming together and they were learning. They were hearing the word. They were hearing the teaching of the, the apostles to breaking of bread into prayer. Okay, so that's, that's the Lord's Supper, but it's also to just making sure, like, we have to understand the importance of prayer. Pastor Rick made re reference to it. We've made a point over the last year that every single day at this campus, there's prayer happening. So myself and the staff, five days a week, we're praying together. And then we have other groups that are praying on the other days that we're not praying, but there is prayer happening in this building seven days a week because we understand the importance of prayer, but we have to be a church so everyone understands the importance of prayer. The early church understood that. It says that everyone was filled with awe, it's many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Benny Hinn. I'm not, you know, we don't have people coming up here and, and we're not seeing supernatural miracles necessarily. I have seen people get healed in our church though. I am seeing people get set free from addiction, of alcohol, of drugs, pornography. I'm seeing marriages get healed. I'm seeing kids that have been rebellious against their parents repenting and coming back into relationship. I am seeing God move in miraculous ways. So we see some of that. It says all together, the believers were all together and had everything in common. Could you imagine? Oh, I don't think we have everything in common. Just go look at Facebook for five seconds. <laughs> but, what, but they were unified in this. But I do see that when we do have common purpose, all the rest of it doesn't matter. When it's about the kingdom, all of a sudden, everything else is just irrelevant. The politics and all that, it just doesn't really matter when it's about souls. I think that's what they understood. It says they sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. I see that generosity in so many of our people. Just willing to give whatever it takes. It says every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts, which means they understood that they had to come together, a place of celebration, a place of support and learning. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And to this day, Christians understand the only way you're gonna have a good meeting, you gotta eat. Like we gotta have some breaking of bread around here. It says, that they praise God and they're enjoying the favor of all the people. That's huge. Because what this means is it wasn't just about what they were doing together and, and just what was happening in temple courts, not just in the fellowship of believers, but it means that they had to be doing something outside of themselves too because they had, they had favor with all the people. 
This is my heart for our church, for this campus, that in Jesus' name, we would have that kind of favor in our city and our community with all the people because of how we love each other, because of how we love the Lord. And it says that the Lord added to their number daily, 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 which means they weren't just dependent on one day a week in services for stuff to get done. People were getting saved daily because of the church. These guys wanted to be around each other a lot. I mean, they're acting like newlyweds. And some of y'all remember, like, when you first got married, like, or, or even when you were engaged, like you wanted to be around them all the time. It's just almost gross how romantic you wanted to be and all that. And I hope you're still experiencing that in your marriage today. If you're not, we probably have a life group that could help you out. But, but, but I think about just, man, how much they wanted to be together. Why? Because they were devoted. They were passionate about what God had given them, and they wanted to give it away. They had these activities they're engaged in, this teaching and fellowship and breaking bread and praying, but it was together. It was together. There's this sense of, man, we need each other. We need each other. I think in a lot of ways, even spirituality has become this individual pursuit in our culture. Like we live in a culture where people are mostly just devoted to themselves, even spiritually. I think there's a really good chance that there's some of us that, that even though we're sitting in a service and that right now we have people around us, we're still just devoted to ourselves spiritually. Like what, what can I get today? What am I, what are they going to help me with? What? That preacher, you better have a good message. You better make me laugh again. That worship team, I hope I like all the songs and know all the songs again. Hope they do that one song I like so much. Those things aren't all bad, but they're bad if that's where you stay. That's all you think about. I think solitude can be great. In other words, I, th I think God gives you times when you just need to be alone with him. Uh, this morning, church attendance is down some because we got a lot of people out in the deer woods. But when I talk to these people, a lot of times this is the things that I just love doing that because I get out there and I get in God's creation and I can just spend time with him. And you know, when I hear that, I'm like, you know what? It, it's okay for you to miss church every once in a while to have those moments of solitude with God. But you know what isn't good? What isn't good is when you isolate. When you just get in yourself. And I, I think that isolation is not just an individual thing. We can have families that are isolated away from the body of Christ, in church, attending church, and still isolated not being the church with the church. Our mission statement, this is written down. Our hope, this is our, our mission as a church is that our friends and our family and our neighbors and our coworkers 
would come to know Jesus, that they would become fully devoted followers of Christ. But the language in that is so important because when you become a fully devoted follower of Christ, you don't just go to church, you are the church. You become the church. The church is, is not just something that you attend. It isn't even something you're just a member of. It is a living, breathing, active force of God on this planet. But we have to be willing to see that and to say, what, what does that mean for me? So how about us? How are we doing as a church? How are we doing as a campus? Do we have living waters that are flowing out of us, not just into us? Honestly, I'm really encouraged by a lot of the things that I'm seeing God do. This just this last week, I wanna, I wanna tell you about some of these stats. These are things that we have participated in. This is churchwide across the state. Across the state, we've given 1.2 million meals to hungry people in our state as a church. Every week with food and relationships and the word of God, we're actually ministering to over 700 kids in all of our Adopt-A-Block and Dream Center efforts. Every week, 700 kids. Every week, we've been able, since, since this ministry has started, and it's only been a few, a few months now. We have a ministry that helps families that, are, that are, are in danger of having to put their kids in foster care. And the only reason why they're in danger, it's not because they're abusive. It's not because of drug abuse or anything. A lot of times what gets a kid in foster care is they simply don't have things like a bed. And so we provided resources to these families. And every week for the last six months, we've been able to prevent at least two families a week from having to put their kids in foster care by giving them resources that they need. But we have also, we also train and resource dozens of families that are fostering kids, that are trying to adopt kids. That's the heart of God. We've also been able to, with partnership with the VA, I love this, We've partnered with the VA and we've been able to put over 90 homeless veterans in homes in the last year. And we've already talked about the flood, but over the course of flood, we gave over a million dollars in resources to families, to churches, and to homes all over our state. So that's encouraging. <laughs> that, that is Streams of living water. But let me boil it down to how it relates to you right here. Why do we do all this? Well, it's for the value of souls. At the end of the day, if we, we're sharing the love of Jesus so that people can encounter their Savior. So to this day, just to right now, over the course of this year, we've seen over 805 people get saved just at this campus. We've also been able to baptize over 150 people. 150 people have gone public with that decision to follow Jesus. And we're gonna baptize another dozen this afternoon. So that clearly means that there's an element of this that we get. Like, because I guarantee you, you don't see 800 people get saved if we're not getting outside of these four walls. That happens by us being the church. It happens by us saying, I, I, I'm gonna do my part. I'm gonna invite someone. 
I gotta love somebody enough so they can see that I love them to care to be invited to church. I'm gonna go be the church. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for you owning that part in it. I think this is a big question that maybe some of you are still asking yourself because you don't see it yet. Like how can the church impact my life every day? Because that is God's will. The answer is when you allow your everyday life to be used for his kingdom. Whatever that looks like, wherever that is, whatever your sphere of influence is, I think so often we put in a box what ministry and what being a part of the church should look like. I think some of this is our fault as a church. I think there's been times that maybe, not unintentionally, but the way that we communicate things, it makes it sound like that unless you're doing something that is specifically organized by us, you're not doing ministry for our church. And that's not true. That's not true because some of you, you, you don't have the schedule, you don't have the time, you don't have the calendar to necessarily be a part of something maybe we've organized as a church, but you love people and you love this church and you love the kingdom. And so maybe for you, it, it looks different. Maybe for you, it's you gather some coworkers together every day during lunch and you just share a devotional thought with them and you pray together. By the way, that's a life group. I don't know what it's like, but I'm thankful for the people that have said, I'm gonna step up and I'm gonna do the ministry that God has given me. There's some strong challenge and encouragement around this with the word. In 1 Corinthians 7, 17 says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned him and to which God has called him. Some of you, the biggest thing that you need to understand is God has called you. Let me say it again. God has called you. Some of y'all need to tell yourselves that a couple dozen times a day. I'm called by God. I'm called by God. It's not just people that do ministry in the church or on staff at churches that are called by God. Every person that is called on Jesus as their Lord and Savior have now been called by that Savior to do something for his kingdom. Every person. It also says in Colossians 4, 17, take heed to the ministry that you've received from the Lord and fulfill it. And this, doesn't, this isn't just talking about pastors and life group leaders and these people that are leading in the church. It's talking about every single believer. You see, every single one of us, every single one of us. In fact, I want you to do this. I want you to take two fingers like this. Everyone, just participate just this once. If you never do it again, and I want you to take those two fingers and put it right here on the side of your neck. If you feel a pulse, I'm talking to you. And you have a ministry. If you don't feel a pulse, we have a medical team that's here and I think you should inform them right away. So that's, not, that's not good. Because all of us have been given the ministry of Jesus. Whatever that, however that looks, so there's been so many people that have found their ministry and they've just owned it. We had a few families just say, hey, we just want to minister to our community at the football games. And so they, they have a tailgate at all the home games. And they just, they, they did this on their own. They're not, I'm not resourcing them. They just went and said, hey, we want to do this on behalf of our church. We're going to just give food out to people and just let them know that we just want to encourage them. And I've heard stories of the ministry that's come out of that. People that have gotten connected to the body of Christ because of that ministry. 
We have other families that partner with other people from other churches every week just to give a place for middle school and junior high students to come together and learn the word together. And I love that because that means that our students are interacting with students from other churches so they get to see at a young age, it's the body of Christ. It's not just my church and just my youth group. It's all of us working together, learning together, becoming disciples. I'm thankful for that. But they had to own that ministry. The turkey fry that we're gonna do. Eric Diaz just came to me and said, hey, I wanna, I wanna give some turkeys away. I had this idea and I wanna fry it. And then I'm like, do it, go with God. You have my blessing, just do it. And he's just owned it. He's just owned it. I don't know how many turkeys we gave away last year. I hope it's triple this year, but we, we gave turkeys to a lot of people just to encourage him. These are ministries, foster serve, adopt a block, people going into retirement homes. These are streams of living water that are flowing out of this church. But the truth is this, we also have to consider what, this is what I'm praying about, my part in this, the decisions that we have to make so that our church can continue to accomplish everything that God has for us. Because God is blessing us because the ownership and the devotion that so many of you have, we're growing as a church. We're reaching our city and community. And the reason why I know that is because our city and community is primarily made up of families with kids. And we are out of space with our kids. That's the reason why we have to have three services right now. Because if there's one thing that we know how to do in Cabot, it's have babies. There's more than one way to grow the kingdom of God and we're doing it. And I'm thankful, but I also want to let you know, like, I'm burdened right now. Three services is not the best. I know for you, it may feel like, oh, that's great. We're growing this three services, but this is the truth. Three services makes us less relational. Now, this may not apply as much to you guys, because after this, you guys could hang out and fellowship for a while. But the first two services, I can't encourage them to hang out after service. I'm like, salvations, praise God. Welcome to the family. Come get some prayer. Get out of here. We need your parking spot. <laughs> it's not healthy when people can't hang out and don't want to hang out after church and fellowship. And here's the thing. We have a lot of people understand the vision of life groups, and so they're building relationships outside of the context of the service, and I'm thankful for that. But what about everybody else that doesn't understand that? What about the people that we are bringing in or that are just coming to our church because they're hearing about the living waters are flowing. When they show up, they don't understand that. And the last thing I wanna teach them is, yeah, you just come to church, it's a one-stop shop and you go home. No, you build relationships. But we can't do that because we don't have the space to do it right now. So that's what I'm praying about. Like, God, what do we need to do? What's our next step? And quite honestly, it is intimidating because it means adding more space to this building, which is expensive. And, and, I, and honestly, I hate, I hate that part of it to an extent like, people just like to have church in buildings. It's a part of our culture. I've been to places where they don't have church in buildings. But that's where we're at. We gotta keep meeting the needs. 
But I am excited about some of the things I know the Lord is putting on our heart of how we can start continue to reach different people and groups in our community. Uh, Kid Life Plus, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, maybe you haven't, but we have a team of people that are trained and certified and, and if we have a family that shows up with a special needs kid, a lot of these kids are on the spectrum of autism, they show up, then one of these people from this team, they're buddied up with their kid and they stay with them the whole time so that those kids as much as possible can interact in the services and learn and grow. But they're also there if they start having a hard time that they can, they can take them out of the classroom and help them decompress and just kind of get refocused. I'm so thankful for that. I heard a testimony this last week of a family that for five years, since they, since they had their child who has autism, for five years, they've never been able to attend church together, the husband and wife together, because they couldn't find a church where they could come and, and, and bring their child and both of them be able to come into the service together. For the first time in five years, they're able to come to church together because of Kid Life Plus. And I'm thankful for that. But the truth is this, those kids need their own space. They need their own space. Because right now, if, they, if, if, if something happens and for whatever reason they have to come out of, the, out of the service or out of the classroom and it happens, I understand it. We have a, a, a child on the spectrum. We get how all this works. They need a place to be able to go into where, where they don't have, they're not overstimulated and they have specific equipment and specific things that can help them. But here's the thing. I believe this is one of the most unreached demographics in our city and community. I don't know of another church in town. Maybe there is. I don't know of another church in town. And even if there is, it's not enough churches that are providing opportunity for these families with these kids with special needs to be able to come and fellowship together. So we need to give space to them. We don't have it. We definitely need more little life space because y'all are clearly not done having babies. <laughs> clearly. But we're gonna keep attracting those families. We need more kid life space. We need more 412 space. But it means that we're gonna have to do something. So we're praying about that. I'll probably give you more details in the coming weeks of what that can look like. This is my prayer for you. I just want you to take your next step. Whatever your next step is. Some of you, you're not doing anything. <laughs> you're attending. Take your next step and do something. Maybe you're not giving anything, and I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about maybe time. Using your talents. I had somebody this last week just say, hey, I just want to, I want to, de I want to commit and, and donate some of my time at the Fall Fest to help out with the Fall Fest. I was, I was so thankful for that. That was a step for them. I don't know what your next step is. Some of you, you're not giving. You need to give something. Give your time. Give, give, give something. Some of you, maybe you've given sporadically, but you haven't been consistent. Maybe you're like, ah, oh, I gave a little bit here and I gave a little there, but, but you haven't been consistent. Maybe your next step is I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to continue to trust God. And if you're talking about finances, and because and, as I already mentioned, maybe the tithe is way intimidating for you. Maybe your next step is I'm going to just be consistent with 2%. I'm going to be consistent with whatever. I'll tell you what, $10 is more than zero. 
And maybe your next step is just saying, okay, God, I'm gonna start trusting you with this consistently. I'm gonna trust you. Take your next step. Some of you have been consistent with that. You've been consistent with giving. I'm so thankful for that. But maybe God is saying, but are you willing to step into something that's uncomfortable and sacrificial? And that it's the realm of supernatural generosity. Maybe that's your next step. Some of you, your next step is you never had a prayer life. Maybe your next step is that you just commit that you're gonna pray every day and you're gonna pray for your church every day. Tell you what, that'd be an amazing next step. I'm just asking you to pray. So that's what these, these are about. This is a prayer piece. We call them commitment cards, but this, this is just a physical representation for you over the next few weeks for you just to say, God, what do you want me to do? Because that, that's, that's how we've always operated as a church. You just say, look, you go and get whatever is your family unit. You go and get with your family and you pray and you ask God, God, what do you want us to do? And then you let us know. So in a few weeks, we're gonna, we're gonna come back together and I'm gonna ask that every family in our church bring one of these. I'm just saying I'm committing, I'm committing to whatever that next step is, we're gonna bring them before the Lord. But I want you to be sincere about this. Look, if you're new around here, I get that you're in the crowd still. Look, if I was new somewhere, I wouldn't commit right away either. You're trying to figure out, is this place a cult? I'm not sure, I heard it was, you know. They haven't tried to get me to drink Kool-Aid yet, but they may, I'm not sure. It's like Pastor Rick said, the crowd will always be here. The crowd should always be here because we should always be drawing new people in. But how amazing would it be that the only crowd that ever exists in our church is the new crowd that shows up every week because everyone else is on board. And I don't mind having a crowd for a couple of weeks or even a month. What breaks my heart and quite honestly ticks me off is when there are people the week in and week out and month after month and sometimes year after year after year are not living the life that God has in store for you because you're still just part of the crowd. Move to a place of devotion and commitment towards the body of Christ. And if you can't do it here, please, please do it somewhere do it somewhere. If you've been here for a long time and you've just never felt like, oh, I've never felt moved to get committed at New Life Church, maybe the Lord is asking you to move to a different church. And you're never gonna hear pastors say this, I would rather you move to a different church if it means you experiencing what it means to be the body of Christ. In fact, if you don't like it here, and you don't like this flavor of church, come talk to me. I'll tell you about every other flavor of church in our city and community. And I'd love to get you personally connected into one of those churches. I just want you to find your place and be committed, 100%. Why? Because of the most important thing that I said today, there's souls in the balance. There's souls in the balance. 
If you can't feel the urgency of heaven and hell and how important it is that we're doing everything we can to rescue people away from the enemy's plan and into God's plan, I don't know what to tell you, but we should be ate up about it. 800 this year have made decisions, but it's more than that, it's the individual. In our first service today, two people raised their hand. And we have got to be the church that we would have done everything that we have done since the history of our church to this day and do it all over again if it would have just been for those two people. That's who we have to be. That's the devotion that it takes. But the truth is God is blessing us. I, won't. I just want you to be able to participate in it. With all my heart, that's it. Pray about your next step. But the truth is this, you can't be committed to the body of Christ until you've experienced the commitment that God made to you. He committed his son to you. Some of you, you have not genuinely ever surrendered your life to Christ. To you, to you God is still this way distant concept. You believe in him. <laughs> That's why you're here, but you've never had a relationship with him. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. Satan believes in God. <laughs> Satan believes in Jesus. It freaks them out. But, but be sure they don't have a relationship with him. There's a big difference. You can't be a part of everything God wants for you until you've understood what he's done for you and accepted it. The truth is this, we're all sinners. I'm a sinner. I, I know I've sinned today. I've made mistakes, I've gotten impatient. But Jesus paid the price for my sin. He's the only one that could, he's the perfect sacrifice. Because of that, I don't have religion. <laughs> I don't just, I'm not just a pastor. I don't just go to church. I don't read my Bible because I have to. I don't pray because I feel like if I don't, I'm a bad person. I, I am all those things because I have relationship with the one true God through his son, Jesus. It's real in me. It's genuine. It's just who I am. And if you don't have that, God wants that for you. How can you know? Simple. If you die this afternoon, are you 100% confident that you would spend eternity in heaven? Because if you're not, the enemy could be lying to you, but there could be a chance that you don't have that confidence because you don't, you're not confident about what God says about you and how much he loves you and what he's done for you. And maybe it's time for you to accept that gift of his son, Jesus. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you're here today, and I believe that the Lord's already speaking to your heart, he's making this clear to you. See, this is not a decision that's made out of condemnation and shame. This is a decision that is made out of just an honest look at yourself and realizing, you know, I am away from God. I am away from Him. 
And maybe the issue is you feel like at one point you made a, a commitment towards him and relationship with him, but you have drifted, you've been away from him, you have no confidence about that relationship anymore. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. I don't know where you are on the spectrum and quite honestly, I don't need to debate theology with you. I just need you to know that God is ready to meet with you right now. And if you know you need him in your life because you're away from him, I'm gonna give you a chance just to say, that's me, I confess it, I admit it. What I'm getting ready to ask you to do doesn't get you saved, but I believe anytime you make a decision of your own free will and there's movement in it, that is faith being released. And when that faith is released, I think that's when God shows up. That's when the presence of God shows up. And that's what you need. If you're here today and you're ready to say, hey, I, I need Jesus. I need to confess him as my Lord and Savior. I'm away from him. I need to come back to him. Nobody looking around at you. Put your hand up right now across this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yes. 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 Got it. Thank you, guys. Anybody else? Got it, bro. Thank you. Got it. Got it. Anybody else? Got it. Thank you. Thank you. Got it. It's okay if you're a little slow in doing this. I don't want you to make the decision lightheartedly, but I, I do think it's important. You don't let anything around you, and certainly don't let the enemy convince you that you, this isn't real, you don't need this, and don't let the, the somebody else sitting next to you peer pressure. This is the most important decision you will ever make. If God is calling you and leading you to make it, then make it right now. Anyone else? Got it. Thank you. Got it. Thank you. Anybody else? Every person that raised your hand, there's a lot of hands. Let's just pray this prayer together, if you don't mind. Everybody, you don't have to scream it, but just loud enough to, that somebody that's next to you that's praying for the last time can have some confidence to pray it out loud. Just say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. I ask for your forgiveness. I confess that I'm a sinner. But right now, I repent. I turn away from living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. I want a genuine relationship with you, God. I give you my life. Help me to understand my purpose in you. Thank you for not just saving me, I ask that you send me to. I give my life to you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my best friend. Father God, I thank you for every person that just said that prayer for the first time. Me the first time in a long time. Thank you for your faithfulness. You're a good God. I just want to stay in an attitude of worship and prayer. I want to let you know that here in a little bit, we're going to have our prayer team down here in the front. And some of you, you need some specific prayer over different areas of your life. I don't know what that may be. I know one of the things that's been heavy on my heart this morning is that prayer we prayed earlier for, for any of our folks that have served in, in the military that might be struggling with some emotional issues, some PTSD or depression or anxiety. I believe God wants to heal you and touch you and 
maybe our prayer team. I know our prayer team would love to pray with you, but if you would give them an opportunity, and I think God could touch you and heal you in that place in your life, but it may be something else. I don't know what it would be. I wanna encourage you, don't leave this place today if you need prayer. Let the Lord minister to you. He wants to. Father God, thank you for the vision you've given us. Thank you for what you've called us to. Help us to be faithful with it. Help every single person in this room take that next step. Whatever it is, God, we thank you for your grace to help us do it. In Jesus' name, amen.